Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church. It is so great to see everybody here today as we wrap up our February sermon series called Foolproof, How to Handle Money in Uncertain Times. And if you were here two weeks ago, you know we talked about avoiding financial foolishness from the book of Proverbs, and we were challenged to embrace the wisdom of Solomon when it comes to money management. And then last week, we talked about a fool and his money from the parable of the rich fool, a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 12, and we were challenged to prepare not just for retirement, but for eternity by being rich towards God. Now, this week, we are concluding our series with the challenge to make the wisest choice we could ever make with our money. Now, if it is your first Sunday at First Christian, or perhaps it's your first Sunday in February, then then I feel like we need to define some terms for you. In this series, we have been comparing and contrasting wisdom and foolishness. Now, in the Bible, foolishness is not a lack of intellect or a lack of intelligence. Foolishness is a propensity to make bad choices, choices that make things harder, not better. And if we think about it, we know some very smart people who do some very foolish things. Would you agree? So foolishness is not a lack of intelligence. It's a a lack of wisdom in making good choices. And, And you probably know people like this, people who seem to be wonderful people, but, but, but somehow they're, they're always in trouble or, or they're always having to dig out of something or always having to, to make up for something. And you're like, what is up with them all of the time? I mean, they seem so great. Why are they always in trouble? Why are they always in a pickle? Why do they always have a struggle? Well, could it be because they often make unwise choices? That's what foolishness is in the Bible. Now, wisdom, on the other hand, it doesn't mean you're, you're super smart or some kind of genius. It just means you make good choices. You have a propensity toward good choices, choices that work in our world, choices that make things better. And sometimes what we do is we confuse wisdom and foolishness with good and evil, and that's not always accurate. Wisdom and foolishness are not always a matter of good and evil, but a matter of making choices that make things better, not worse. Wise people make choices that make things better. Foolish people make choices that make things worse or harder. And in this series, what we've been doing is we've been discussing the choices we make with our money. Some are wise and some are foolish, and these choices either make our lives harder or better. For instance, in week number one, we learned to avoid debt whenever possible, not because debt is an evil thing, it's not, but because debt makes things harder. Proverbs 22, seven says, the borrower is slave to the lender. Whenever we go into debt, we lose a little bit of our freedom and we make our future harder. Wisdom, therefore, says, use as little debt as possible, while foolishness says, buy what you want now and pray you could pay for it later. Now, it might seem harsh 
to use the word foolishness so many times in one series, but I want you to remember we're not calling people fools. Even Jesus said it's not okay to call people fools, but it is okay to point out foolish behavior and learn from it so that we can make wise choices and so that, that, that all those around us, and especially our family and our loved ones, can make wise choices as well. We said this last week, we think about it like this, just, just like it, it's okay to tell your children they made a bad choice, but it's not okay to call them a bad person, right? Or maybe anybody got teenagers? I got teenagers. It's okay to say to your teenagers they did something stupid, but it's not okay to call them stupid. And so it's okay to point out foolish behavior, but it's not okay to call people fools. And, and what we've been doing in this series is discovering the difference between foolish behavior and wise behavior when it comes to money. And we feel this series has been incredibly crucial at this particular time in history as we come out of the coronavirus pandemic when both the world economy and our national economy are so uncertain. And now with all the chaos in, in Eastern Europe, there's so many people who are struggling abroad and, and locally struggling financially. And, and so we've talked about living beneath our means and living on a budget. And we've talked about the importance of having an emergency fund. And we've talked about avoiding debt and preparing well for the future. We, we've talked about not just preparing for retirement, but preparing for eternity. And today we wanna talk about the wisest financial decision that you could ever make. And the wisest financial decision that you could ever make is the decision to be generous. Now, we certainly need to do all of the above things we've mentioned, but we also need to be generous. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25 says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. One withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There is nothing in this world that will transform your financial future more than generosity. Generosity changes everything. That's our big idea for today. Generosity changes everything. Now for me, the generosity of my home church, the church I grew up in in Oklahoma, the generosity of that church changed my everything. When I was in high school, my, my parents were struggling financially. They were, they were entrepreneurs. They started and ran multiple businesses over the years. They made a lot of money and they lost a lot of money. And sometimes they had a lot of money and sometimes they were broke. And just about the time I was finishing high school was one of those seasons when they were broke. But I wanted to go off to college and I really wanted to go to college where I could, I could study the Bible and I could become a minister and because my home church believed in me, their missions team awarded me a full tuition scholarship. For four years, they paid 100% of my college tuition. I had to pay my room and board and books and living expenses, but my home church generously paid my tuition and that changed everything for me. That changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, think about it. I, I don't know if I would have started college, much less finished college without their generosity, which means I probably wouldn't have become a minister or have gone to graduate school or have gone to Joliet, Illinois to plant our church there. And oh, by the way, that home church in Oklahoma 
They gave our church plant nearly $100,000 to help us get started in 2007 and 2008. So not only did their generosity change my life, but their generosity changed the lives of thousands of people we ministered to there. And of course, that experience there created this opportunity for me to be here and to be part of this church family. And that too has changed my life. You see, the generosity of my home church in Oklahoma the first 30 years of my life changed everything for me. Generosity changes everything. And today I wanna share with you how generosity changes four things in particular, how generosity changes you, how generosity changes your finances, how generosity changes our church, and how generosity changes the world. And so if you're taking notes, or if you like to take notes, why don't you write this down? This would be number one. Generosity changes you. Generosity changes you. Generosity changes you. In many ways, one I wanna talk about in particular is generosity makes you more like God. In the Bible, the word is godly. Generosity makes you more godlike. Of course, in a sense, we'll never be godlike. We'll never be godly. We will all sin. We're all gonna continue as long as we wear this, these bodies, this flesh. We're gonna continue to, to have struggles. All, uh, we hope less and less as we grow more and more, but we'll always have our struggles. And, and of course, we'll never be all-powerful and all-knowing or present everywhere in space and time. We'll always be limited and, and finite while God will always be unlimited and infinite. And so in, in many senses, we will never be like God, but there are a sense in which we can be like God. In Genesis 1.27, it says that man and woman were created in the image of God. God created humanity in his image, which means there is something about us that's like God. Perhaps it's that we are spiritual beings, not just physical ones. So we don't just have bodies, we also have souls, Another way that we can be like God is that we have the ability to discern between good and evil, and that's actually something that separates us from all other creatures on earth. We're the only ones who can do that. We can be like God and that we can know good and evil. If you remember the story of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three, verse 22, when Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said this, God said, they're gonna be like us now. They can know good and evil. So that's something we have in common with God. Another way we can be like God is we can be holy. We can pursue holiness. Now this word holy means to be saintly or set apart or different than, than everything else. And, and throughout the Bible it says that God is holy. He's, he's different from everything else. Perhaps that is his most defining character even. I mean think about it. Everything else is created. God is uncreated. He is holy. Everything else is limited. God is unlimited. He is holy. Everything else is broken and, and sinful but God is perfect. He is holy. And when we strive to be more like God, different from this world, God calls us holy. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it says, God says, be holy because I am holy. And one way that we can be holy or God-like is to be generous. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he, what? He gave. 
For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Generosity changes you because when you give, you become more like God. You become holy. You you become different from the world. I mean, the world takes, the world hoards, the world feels entitled, but God gives because God is generous. And when we give, we are blessed. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the apostle Paul said this. He said, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, We must help the weak. What is that? That's generosity. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, let me tell you why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, first of all, because giving is an act of worship. Giving isn't just, or worship isn't just singing a song. Worship isn't just going to church. Worship isn't just listening to a sermon. Worship is taking God at his word and doing what he asks of us. So giving is an act of worship. Giving is also a way we show gratitude. When we live in generosity, we are living in gratitude, which is the essence of worship. And I I can't think of a more blessed way to live than to give. And this is a reality that I've been able to see. It's been a pleasure to see grow in my daughter, Ella. Over the past few Christmases in particular, it's been fun to watch her get to this point in life, and she's a, she's a preteen now, and, and, and she's just more excited about what she's giving than what she's getting. And you can see that in her eyes and on her face. Of course, she enjoys getting gifts, but I've noticed that she's receiving more joy, having more fun, more blessing from giving and getting remember the Christmas before last in particular where she went out of her way to pick out special Christmas gifts for each and every member of our family and she was so very thoughtful and very personal in her choices and in that Christmas morning I remember watching her smile bigger smiles as we opened our gifts from her than she did even as she opened her gifts from us. And so we just see that she's figured out this is one of the most important secrets, and it is a secret, people don't realize this, one of the most important secrets in life and secrets to happiness, and that is it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, generosity changes you. Number two, generosity changes your finances. Now, this is something the Bible promises repeatedly in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Bible promises that generosity changes your finances. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. In Luke 6.38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 said, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The Bible is very clear from cover to cover that generosity will change your finances, and there are two reasons this is true. The first is because in order to give, well, you have to change your habits. I mean, the truth is you can't just keep living the way you're living and just add giving or you'll go bankrupt. 
I mean, think about it. If you're gonna give a percentage of your income back to God through your local church, then you're gonna have to make room for that in your budget. But if you're already spending everything you make and then you say, hey, I'm gonna give 2% or I'm gonna give 5% or especially if you decide to test God with a tithe, I'm gonna give 10%, then here's what's gonna happen. If you don't change anything, you're gonna run out of money. You have to make room for giving in your budget, which means you're probably gonna have to start living on a budget which means you're definitely gonna have to spend less than you make, which means you're most definitely gonna have to get a handle on your finances, but that's a good thing. In fact, that's what this whole series has been about, how to get a handle on your finances. In order to give generously, gotta get a handle on your money, which will change your financial situation. And that's just a practical reality. But there is also a spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality, the promise we find woven throughout the fabric of scripture is that our generosity opens the floodgates of God's generosity. Of course, God is already so very generous to us. He's generous in so many ways. In Malachi chapter three, verse 10, and this is one of the Old Testament books, it says this, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. So when you give, the math just works and sometimes Miracles even happen. All right, still taking notes? Good. Number three, generosity changes our church. Generosity changes our church. Now, I know that a connection people always seem uncomfortable making is the connection between our own personal finances and our church finances, and the reality is, probably you're getting a little bit uncomfortable even right now, right? We don't like to talk about money and giving when it comes to church, wouldn't you agree? But here's the reality. It takes money to do ministry. And if we have enough money, we can do ministry well, and if we don't, then we can't. And, and honestly, this is something the church apologizes all the time for talking about. We shouldn't have to apologize this for discussing it. The truth is we have a fantastic facility. Costs money to keep it up. We have an incredible staff who work long and hard to serve us and to serve our community and they need to be taken care of. We do a lot of charity work locally. It all costs money. Jesus is the head of our church. Would you agree, amen? Jesus is the head of our church. It's his job to build our church. It's not my job, it's not your job, that's the job of Jesus. It is his church. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. That's the job of Jesus to build his church. But your generosity changes our church. First Christian Church could not do all the incredible, amazing things it does without you. Your generosity is essential. You know, these past two years, Generosity in churches has been more crucial than ever for churches. 
I can speak to my own experience, the church I led in Illinois. I remember two years ago when we had to close down our life. It was probably just about two years ago this week or next week we had to close down our live services due to the coronavirus. And I remember thinking, I had anxiety about that. I was, there was fret. I thought, we're gonna run out of money. We're gonna have to stop doing ministries. We're gonna have to furlough staff. We're gonna have to cut mission support. What are we gonna do? But guess what? God showed up. And some incredible things happened in our church. Our church actually grew and expanded in influence during the pandemic and our, in, our income increased because our church was so generous. And while that has not been the story in many churches, it was the story in our church up there. And you know what? It's been the story in this church here. And I don't know if you know this or not, but First Christian Church has grown significantly over the past two years. And it's something we should celebrate. You know, our elders, the men who lead our church, they have made great decisions for our church and our staff has done an incredible job growing ministries and thinking outside of the box in this season and our volunteers have continued to show up week after week after week, faithfully giving of their time and you have been so very generous. I'd like to share some numbers with you this morning. And I, and I just wanna say that numbers don't mean everything. I know that. Oh, preachers are about numbers. No, numbers don't mean everything, but they do mean something. And the truth is this. This is, a, this is a principle of human psychology. What you value, you count. I want you to think about that. What you value, you count. I bet you know how many cars you have. What you value, you count. I bet you know how many bedrooms you have in your house. I bet you know how much money you have saved for retirement. You value what you count. I, I'd like to think most of you know how many kids you have. <laughs> or how many grandkids you have. If you ever read the book of Acts, New Testament, it tallied and counted church membership, chapter after chapter after chapter, counted the growth. What you count is what you value. And if we value people, we will count them. And so I wanna share some numbers with you that I find really interesting and inspirational. Go back a few years. We did some research last few months on this. In 2018, First Christian Church's average weekend attendance was 730 people. And by the way, that is considered a large church in America. 730 people a weekend, that was 2018. 2019, our church grew. Average attendance, about 50 more people a weekend, 773 people. And then in 2020, well, you know what happened during 2020, during the pandemic, we had to shut things down, all this stuff happened, it was chaos, but our church weekend attendance averaged 504, which was actually pretty incredible during that season. And so there was a decline, and there's been a decline in churches all across America. In 2021, which is last year, all of last year, we jumped fully back to where we were pre-pandemic, which most churches are about 60% back right now. First Christian Church in Fort Myers jumped back, came roaring back. We averaged 766 people per weekend in 2021. But I want you to check this out, and this is really incredible. The last quarter of 2021, the last 12 weeks of last year, with the addition of our second worship service and adding in our online attendance, we averaged 1,280 people per weekend at First Christian Church. 
It was really incredible. And over the last few weeks, we've averaged 1,500 people with us in worship per weekend. God is doing an incredible thing to build his church. So think about it like this. Throughout the pandemic, over the last two years, our church has grown from about 800 people a weekend to about 1,500 people a weekend. And I gotta tell you something, I don't know of any church, not one single church in the United States of America who's experienced that kind of growth during this season. And a huge part of it is your generosity. Huge part of it. So let me share some more numbers with you. Speaking of generosity, average weekly giving in 2018, 25,400. Average weekly giving in 2019, this is weekly income for our church, 27,700, it grew. How about 2020? Go through the pandemic, it still grew. Our average weekend giving in 2020 was 30,200. We look at all of 2021, average weekly giving for 2021, 30,700 continue to grow, but get this, the average weekly giving for the last quarter of 2021 was nearly $35,000 per weekend. And it is truly incredible to see how God has grown this church, blessing your commitment and your generosity through one of the toughest seasons in modern history. While many churches have really struggled, First Christian Church has thrived in near miraculous ways. And so to use a sports metaphor, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to keep advancing the ball and we're gonna keep asking God to build his church in Fort Myers. And in 2022, we have perhaps the most aggressive and most optimistic budget we have ever had, and it is going to stretch us. But we believe God is gonna work, continue to work in incredible ways, and we believe you are gonna continue to be more generous than ever. Your generosity is changing our church. Number four, generosity changes the world. Now, perhaps you are new to First Christian Church. Maybe you're not even aware of this. Maybe you're not new, but you didn't know, but we believe Christians should tithe, and we also believe Christian organizations should tithe. And so our church tithes. Actually, we do more than a tithe. We give away 11% of every dollar given to us, we give away Above and beyond the tithe we go as a church. We don't just keep all of the offerings we collect for ourselves, we give it away. And currently, the tithe from your gifts to FCC are supporting David Pickering, who's doing mission work in Turkey. We support some underground mission work happening in China. I can't tell you names because we can't do that, but some incredible work in China. We support Tim Manti in Africa. We support Caleb and Elena Elkins in Scotland. There's actually numerous people we support. We had a missions fair a few weeks ago. Some of you got a chance to be in on that, but I could go on. In fact, Gabe Hillman is with us in our worship services today, and he's gonna lead our time of communion in a few minutes. Gabe grew up here at First Christian. He trained to be a missionary in college. He moved to Eastern Europe, to Bulgaria 15 years ago. 
establishing a phenomenal ministry there. And through our missions giving, we've provided the lion's share of his income and financial support these past 15 years. And God has used him to connect many people to Christ and to each other in Eastern Europe because of your generosity. We do all kinds of local work too, from the campus ministry we support at FGCU to Hoops on Mission, Urban Outreach in Fort Myers to Verity and Lifeline, which are two pregnancy resource groups for women in crisis situations. And and you probably don't know this, but in the past six months, we have helped fund two brand new churches. We've helped start two new churches, Pine Valley Church in Elizabeth, Colorado through Stadia Church Partners and History Makers Church in Pembroke Pines through Florida Church Planters. And again, that is just a fraction of the global mission work and the local charity work we are able to do because of your generosity. And so it is absolutely true when I say your generosity is making all the difference in the world. Your generosity is changing the world. And so we see that generosity changes everything. It changes you. It changes your finances. It changes our church and it really does change the world. And so here's our takeaway for today. I want to challenge you, not just to keep doing what you're doing, but I wanna challenge you to commit to greater generosity in 2022. If you're giving nothing, start giving an offering of whatever you can give. If you're already giving an offering, then start to give a tithe, maybe trust God with a tithe. Say, well, I'm already giving a tithe. We'll go above and beyond to change the world. Because a key part of discipleship is what does it look like to follow Jesus? What steps do I take to be more like Jesus? A key part of that is to contribute sacrificially. And so I wanna challenge you to grow your generosity even more in 2022 and watch what God will do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible generosity to us, that you created us, that you gave us life, that you loved us, that you've saved us by grace as a free gift. Help us to embrace your gifts for us and help us to reciprocate out of gratitude. Help us to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.